0: Welcome to another Kingdom Community Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Philippians 3, uh, 12-14 says, Not that I have already obtained all of this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is head, I press on toward the goal to win the prize of which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You know, sometimes the the goal of our life over periods of time shifts. You ever, you ever had... Okay, I'll give you an example of how this can be kind of almost funny. When I was young, I used to play AFL. And uh, in Tasmania, where I was living at the time, it got really cold. Really cold. Like, not like cold like now, cold, but super cold. And the fog would set. And we, because we're young guys, under 19, I was 18 years of age. And early on a Saturday morning when we were playing, the fog would be so thick that you couldn't see where the ball was landing when you kicked it, right? And so you couldn't actually see the goals. (laughs) Can you imagine? (laughs) You're running in to kick the goals and you go and boot the goal. You go boot towards where you think the goal is and then you follow it to see whether it went anywhere near the goal because you can't actually see it. And then you get there and you suddenly realise the goals are over there and you've just kicked the ball out of bounds. And you're like, ah! And this is what it was like. I was in the forward pocket one time, and I was sitting there, and I was just standing there, and I, I, had, I had the defender on me, and we were just standing there going like this, like scanning the fog. Is there a ball? We can hear noises out there. We can hear the whistle every now and then, you know. And then you're like, and you're just waiting, like, to see if the ball's going to come out of the fog anywhere near you. You know, you're just scanning like this to see. It's just crazy. You know, if you can't see your goals, how are you going to hit them? If you can't see where you're going, how are you going to get anywhere? And, and the thing is, in life, we get to the point sometimes where we can't even see where we're going anymore. And if we can't see where we're going, if we don't have any vision, we don't have any direction, you know what, we'll just do anything. And this is one of the things that a lot of people get caught up in. We'll just They just get caught up in doing whatever feels good or whatever... Meets their need at the time, and it's like a moment by moment existence. How many people know that if you, all you have is a moment by moment existence, and you're not actually going anywhere, you're not ever doing anything, you might have a good time for a little while, but eventually you'll wake up to yourself and go, oh, "I don't like this. I've been doing, and you know, and you could you could be doing that for years, and then you wake up one day, I haven't actually done anything, I haven't achieved anything, I haven't gone anywhere." I've wasted so many years of my life and I don't know what I'm doing. And, and sometimes we get to that place and we recognize that our goal, is it maybe never was there and we just, we just don't know what we're doing. And I want to encourage you today, God is calling us to set our goal and to know where we're going. Like Paul, he's saying, forget what's behind you Stretch out and reach out for the prize of what you're going after. Now, many of us have been praying for revival, right? We've been praying for God to do something amazing. And, but the thing is, Jesus is revival, right? Jesus is the embodiment of all the things that are kingdom, and he's placed the kingdom inside of each one of us. And sometimes I think we almost make an idol out of revival, And we're so going after this goal, this end goal, that that becomes the focal point. And yet the focal point ought to be Jesus. What are we being revived to? You know, to God, to a relationship with God. Who does that work is Jesus. He did it on the cross and he sent the Holy Spirit to revive us inwardly, you know, like we're born again. Well, we're... If you love the Lord and you've got the Spirit of God, you are born again. You're alive in Christ. But you know what? We can be alive in Christ and be asleep. You know, like, oh, I'm just so tired right now. Like, jeepers, I don't know if I can do this thing anymore. It's all right. Oh, thank you, sweetie. Uh, At least I get a little bit of comfort in life, you know. It's like, oh, wow, I just don't know. I just don't know anymore, God. Like I don't seem to be going anywhere. I don't have any direction in my life anymore. I'll just I'll just stay here so much easier. Oh yeah. <laughs> and you know what Jesus said to people who are when the church is asleep, wake up! <laughs> wake up. But what are we waking up to? That's the problem. We can be we can we can be so caught up in chasing a goal, what are we waking up to? You know, if the the church, if the culture in the church is actually not going where God wants us to go, we we might be waking up to the wrong thing. We might be waking up to something that's actually going to get us more in trouble than we originally were. (laughs) Luke, you ever... Buy anything on eBay? No, you haven't bought anything on eBay before. You ever bought anything that come in the mail, and you sort of like, yeah, clothing? Yeah. You ever got anything that you you saw in the brochure, and you thought that looks pretty good, and you get it in the mail, and you go, that's not what I bought. Yeah, exactly, right? Ah, oh, how much? How many times do we do that, hey? In life, where we go to get something, and we've seen the brochure, we've seen the picture, we've seen everything, you know, we think, "Yeah, beauty, I'm going to get that." You ever, you ever been to McDonald's and you get one of those burgers, and you're like, "Oh, I'm hankering for a Big Mac. Haven't had the two beef patty, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, onions on a sesame seed bun in such a long time," you know. And you go and order it, and you go, "What did this thing shrink or something?" Like in 1974, that was like big, you know. It's like, didn't they used to be this big once upon a time? And I reckon they still got the original photo on the brochure, right? I'm pretty sure they still got the original, like they got the guy going like this. Well, these days it's kind of like this. And it's sloppy as, you know, like they don't put any care into these things anymore. And half the sesame seeds have fallen off anyway. What's the point of having a sesame seed bun if you can't have lots of sesame seeds? You know, it's like, you know, you, you walk into any place in your journey in life and you've got an expectation or a hope and it just doesn't work out the way you You know, you get into a relationship with somebody and it's like, yeah, this is the one, you know. Or you get married and you start the journey and you think this is all good. And I've uh, had so many, I've heard of so many tragedies, you know. I remember when I was in Darwin as a young guy, I had some mates who were a bit older than me. And um, one of the girls that I knew, lovely, lovely Christian girl, um, had this guy who came alongside her and he was like an army guy and he was kind of like, all kind of real nice, and he came to church, and he was real nice, and he just nice, nice all the time and everybody thought this guy's a really good guy, and she fell in love with him head over heels and uh, and and decided to marry him, you know, like this is it he's the guy well i 'm telling you like within six months of them getting married, you start hearing stories back you know he's now beating her up and he's treating her bad, and he's and he's not coming to church no more. It's like he put on this facade to try and get the girl of his dream, so to speak, but now he's got her. He doesn't doesn't have to put the facade on anymore because he's thinking, I've got the ring on the finger, and and she's a good Christian girl, she ain't going to walk out on me. Oh, my goodness me. And you know what? Sometimes in life, the whole of life can actually end up being a bit like that. We have this dream, this idea, you know? And then the moment we step into it, we suddenly realize, oh, that's not the way I thought it was going to be. This isn't kind of right. And you know what? Sometimes I get the feeling like that in church, you know? I, I pastored um, within Churches of Christ for t- more than 20 years. 1989, actually probably not more, probably 19 years. 1989 to 2008, Yeah. I handed the church over that I was pastoring. And we had built this church up to a fairly strong... Chrissy remembers those days back at LifeGate and Padstow. And, and it, was, it was starting to become a fairly strong church. We had three congregations, kind of like what we've got now, but just much more people. And we had about 170, 180 people. Involved. We had a big worship team and a lot of youth ministry and a lot of people getting saved and that sort of thing. And I went through some stuff and I thought, I'll hand it over to my... Senior associate and uh, and have a break and I just really felt i wanted now that you know and, and I'd led this church from being super conservative into a holy spirit fired up river kind of church, and you know we were seeing people getting touched by the Holy Spirit, we were seeing a bit of prophetic in the meetings we were seeing a little bit of You know, word of knowledge starting to happen in in our meetings, and we're training the young people in there. We were sending teams over to Africa, and they were coming back with reports. You know, a group of young kids went into a hospital in Africa and prayed, and everybody in the hospital got healed, right, out of our youth group kids, right? They just came back with these reports, and all these amazing things are happening. And so I handed the church over, and then I thought, I'm going to go look for a Pentecostal church to hang out with, because I was like... I've built this conservative church up to being, you know, kind of a bit charismatic and a bit Holy Spirit. And I thought, I'm going to go and find the real thing. <laughs> Silly me. I had no clue. I really didn't know what would happen. I thought I was going to walk into a Pentecostal church because I hadn't had much to do with Pentecostal churches. I thought I was going to walk into a Pentecostal church, the first one, and they're all going to be hanging off the chandeliers, you know, Woo-hoo, Jesus, Holy Spirit, yeah, you know. And there's people getting out of wheelchairs and all sorts of stuff, and I thought, this is, I'm so excited right now, you know. And I went from church to church to church to church to church to church to church. And I couldn't find one. I finally found one that was kind of half in the direction that I thought was church called Jubilee in Sydney, I thought, at least they're hanging off the chandeliers, you know, even if people aren't getting out of wheelchairs yet, you know, that's pretty cool, anyway, I started hanging out with them a little bit, but you know what, I had a whole bunch of disappointment in my heart, because I had this end goal that I wanted to achieve, I wanted to walk into a church that just looked just like the early church and, you know, full of the Holy Spirit and all this stuff going on. In the midst of my search, I actually lost something. I lost sight of Jesus. Because when I was pastoring in a conservative church, just wanting everything that he wants, I just had my eyes fixed on him and stuff that he's all about starts to happen. Baptising 20 people a year, you know. In a small church, small community, that's pretty exciting. When you baptize a whole bunch of people, they get saved, you know. And so I was really excited back then, but I always thought, no, nah, there's got to be more, 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 there's got to be more. And it was like like a record stuck, there's got to be more, there's got to be more. There's... You know, it's like the needle's stuck and it's just saying the same thing over and over in your head. The, there's got to be more, almost got like a mantra that got me undone because that my, goals, my, my end goal shifted, my goalpost shifted. It was like a fog came down, and I no longer could see the goal, and so I made up my own goal over here, which is there's got to be more. That became my goal. There's got to be more. The problem is, Jesus is the more. And i lost sight of that. I've lost sight of the fact that Jesus is the more. And I always had Jesus. I always had the Holy Spirit. I just didn't know how the Holy Spirit worked. And 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 what I didn't have a belief system or a culture that allowed for him to do all the things he can do. And so what had to change was not that my goal changed, but that my heart changed. My heart had to change to allow the Holy Spirit to do what he could do. And it didn't matter what church I was going to. It didn't matter that I was leading a conservative church where half the people didn't even believe in tongues, they learned to speak in tongues true. I had to lead from the middle of this church, but it was healthy because at one end of the church you got people who don't even believe in tongues and kind of would maybe get all upset if you started speaking in tongues out loud. And on the other end you got people who are like full-on raving lunatic Christians who just want to hang off chandeliers. And I'm kind of like leaning a little bit towards the chandeliers myself, but I was leading from the middle. And from the middle I found that so long as I had my eyes fixed on Jesus, I could do it. Not only could I do it as a leader, but so long as I let Jesus be the leader, I was seeing people getting saved, we were seeing people getting set free, we were sending off these young kids to Africa and to India and so on, and places like this, and we, we were doing mission trips, and we were starting to feed the homeless, and there's things that were rising up within our community that were really exciting... But I lost sight, in the midst of it all, I lost sight of Jesus because I started to have this mantra going through my head, there's got to be more, there's got to be more, there's got to be more. I think in life we can get so caught looking at the brochure. I want that. My burger doesn't look like that. My church doesn't look like this. My... And then the problem with that is it's not that it's not a true statement. We can pick up the Bible and, okay, I've got my Bible on my device, but we can pick up the Bible and read that and go, church doesn't really look like the New Testament church. Church doesn't look like Jesus. Church. You know, and we can get all negative about that. Or we can go, you know what? we just got to focus back on Jesus. You know, Do you remember that old song some of you might remember? Also, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. In the darkness of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace See it's the turning your eyes back towards Jesus that is the key, isn't it? This morning, while Sheikh and I were driving to church, um, and often this is what happens for us, right? <laughs> it's kind of, it's like a little thing that we do. We, we get in the car, we start driving towards church, and Sheikh goes, okay, we're going to read our daily devotion together, right? So Sheikh reads the stories because I'm driving. Because, you know, you can't drive while you're reading, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and she kind of likes that too. So she opens up. And, but the thing was, like, my message hadn't fully formulated completely yet because I'd had a really big week. And so I was thinking, I've got 30 minutes driving from home to church where I can just be in a zone where I'm just automatically going to church and thinking about the sermon so that if the Lord wants to add bits and pieces here and there, I'm, I'm ready for it, God. Come on. And then Sheik goes, I'm going to read my... And inwardly, I'm going, uh, okay, dear, <laughs> you read your... Devotions and in, in my head, this is what's happening, right? I'm just being honest. I'm sitting there and I'm going, okay, yeah, just don't take any notice of what she's saying. She's got to do what she's got to do. Because, like, I, and I don't want to upset her now, you know, so I'm on the way to church. So let her speak, and I'll just stay in my sermon. <laughs> and then she starts speaking, and suddenly the Holy Spirit goes, Just listen. I'm like, ooh. Leaning in. Suddenly, I realised this is about this sermon. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? And so, what she was talking about, or what she was reading, was that the word Elohim, which is the word for God in the Hebrew, right, that means one true God. Elohim—that's one of the names of God. Sheikh said earlier on that there's like more than three hundred names of God, and they all well, Elohim is a Hebrew name which means the one true God. But in the Hebrew, it's plural. So, therefore, it has a dual meaning. The dual meaning is that Elohim also means the gods or the other gods. So, it means the one true God, but it can also mean the gods, which is lowercase g, gods. So, because it's plural, it can can mean that, you know... We have to have our eyes fixed on Elohim. But if we get our eyes fixed on off Elohim, we end up with our eyes fixed on Elohim, the gods, and then we get caught up in the Elohim. I'm going to use you know low high, Elohim, the lowercase G gods, and in that moment we get all caught up in the things that are around us. And you know what? Those things that are around us, that focal points that we have can be our gods, little g-gods. And even things in the church can become our gods. You know, some, some worship pastors, their whole thing is about worship. And they have this excellence mantra. But the problem is, excellence has become their god. Or worship has become their god. Their performance has become their god. In other words, it's all about the performance, no longer about Jesus nothing wrong with being excellent, but we're not called to seek first excellence, we're called to seek first the kingdom of God. It's not seek first the prophetic realms of heaven, it's seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added to you. It's not seek first my amazing career and God will bless me in every other thing. It's not even seek first, you know, looking good on Sundays, even though, you know, it's very important. The <laughs> problem is that we have these things which we put up. And sometimes they're cultural. Like you, you, you can be a part of a church culture for a long time, and some of the things that are in that culture become like little G gods. So they're, they're the, you can't touch this. Dun, 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 dun. Can't touch this. All right? Sorry. That's just, I was, only for Luke. No one else. <laughs> But you see, the thing is, we can get so caught up in our daily lives, even in our Christian daily life, where we put certain things on a pedestal in our life. Some people put a pastor on a pedestal. You know what? That's that's idolatry. You can't do that. You know that the culture of honour can actually become a curse to us. See... Jesus never came looking for honour. Ah, isn't that interesting? Yet, he received it. Yeah? He didn't come looking for it. In other words, you remember that moment where he got down and washed the disciples' feet? If a person was looking for honour, he wouldn't have, you know, he wouldn't do that. You know, you remember the moment when Jesus got on the little donkey or the colt? Of a donkey? If, you, if you've got a culture of honour and you're looking for honour and you've got a culture of excellence, there's no way you're going to ride into town as a king on a little wobbly donkey. You're going to ride on a majestic steed, you know. Whoa, look at me. I'm the king of kings, the lord of lords. Come worship me. Worship me, people. Get those pan branches and make it happen. See, the problem is that Jesus, he never did that. You know how many pastors and leaders in the world are, act just like that? Not exactly like that. I, I, I don't actually think I've ever seen anyone going like this in church. going, You know? <laughs> Literally. I'm not being literal right now. I'm just over-exaggerating like a good fisherman does. Right? The fish was this big between the thumbs. <laughs> yeah. But you see, here's the thing, right? We put people on pedestals. We put things on pedestals. We, we idolize things in our life. And here's, here's the truth. That, you know how some, okay, I'm going to say it in a sec. Some truths, they can be, over here there are truth and over here, it's not a truth. So if I was to say, what you see is what you get, that can be a, a truth. When you go to McDonald's, it's not the truth. <laughs> it's not, that's not what you see is what you get. It's what you actually get is what you get, right? <laughs> that's it. Just What you get is what you get. <clears throat> but there are times when what you see, in other words, what you're looking for is what you see. You walk into church, if you're looking for Jesus, you'll find him. Yeah? Unless you walk into a church that just, you know, is completely oblivious of... But even then, you're going to find him. Because Jesus said, what you do to the least of these, you do unto me. Yeah? So, you can walk out on the street and see Jesus if you're looking for him. You'll see him in the homeless person. you see him in the mum who doesn't have enough food. And, and he says, when you go and give her a bit of food to put food on the plate, you're doing it unto me. So you're seeing Christ. If you're looking for Jesus, in other words, if you're looking to see what he sees and to see where he is, you'll see him. But if all you're looking for is whatever is on your pedestal, walking into church, I'm looking for the right church. I'm looking for the church that just moves the way I want them to move. They've got to feel the way I want them to feel. They want to do what I want them to do. That's the pedestal. And unfortunately, you know, because what we do is we read this, we go, oh, that's not the, the church, isn't the way it ought to be. So I'm just going to look for the church who is. I can tell you now, I looked everywhere to find the perfect church. And I thought everywhere I went, I thought, you know what, we had... We had a better church where we were when we were conservative on the track towards river than any of the churches I visited afterwards. And it wasn't that any of them were no good, it's just that I had a hope and an expectation which was up here and they were falling about here. And so I walked in looking for something, I didn't find it. What you look for is what you see. What you see is what you get. Yeah. So what I was seeing, I was getting. What was I seeing? Disappointment. I was seeing a church that was falling short of the mark. In all honesty, I could have, if I walked into any one of those churches with my eyes open to what Jesus was doing, I probably could have found a great church where I could have really enjoyed myself and grown up in God and possibly even contributed in some way if I'd stayed there long enough to get to know people and become a part of the fellowship and do something. But I had an expectation. I had a hope, and uh, wow, it kept it messed with me because I back then I didn't realize it, and now I do. And so now I'm at a place where I'm going, okay, God, what are we doing? Because I'm leading a church, and sometimes as a leader, I get into the habit of looking around and going, God, are we really where we need to be? Are we doing what we're meant to be doing? Are we, you know... Who, who are we? What we're doing? Because as a leader, I want to put on a leader's hat. And the leader has the, all these hopes and dreams and aspirations and everything of what they, you want the church to look like and so on. And Jesus just keeps reminding me, just keep your eyes on me. Because the reality is it could all fall apart tomorrow. <laughs> yeah? And here's the thing. Like I could, we could end up with a church of 1,000 people and then one day it's gone. Because something happens. You know, we don't know. A meteorite could land on it. <laughs> well, we're in the middle of the service and we're all dead. I don't know. I'm just being, you know, that's probably a bit, bit over the top. I know. I know. But here's the thing, right? If, if, if the goal is a, a church happening a certain way or a meeting that goes a certain way or a life that ends up, what if everything gets taken away? What if, what if it doesn't work the way you wanted it to? What if what's on the brochure doesn't, it doesn't end up in your hands? Your marriage, what if that doesn't... You know, all the aspirations you had when you were a 15-year-old thinking of what marriage would be like. What if it doesn't work out the way you hoped? What if life's tougher than you believed it ever should be? What if the journey, even with God isn't as exciting, no, back away from the word exciting, because I think exciting, it can be really exciting even when it's tough, I'm telling you now. What if it's not all that, the preacher that I heard when I was, you know, first a Christian, what if it's not all that, you know, the prosperity guy, remember that guy? The one who said, you know, put in a, if you sow $1,000, you get $10,000 back type of thing, you know, remember that guy? What if it's not like that? What if one day somebody prophesied over you that, they, that you, you, you'll win a million dollars or that God was going to give you a six-figure sum and you're going to be rich as... What if that wasn't really a word from God? What if you've been hanging on to that? That's been on your pedestal for such, so many years. What if, what if it's not true? What if, it, what if what's on the brochure never actually happens? What do you do? Shek and I watched a movie a few weeks ago called The um, Red Sea Diving Resort. It's probably an I don't know, it's probably an emerated movie, so it's got a couple of scenes. You wouldn't bring your kids to it, but it's a really good story because it's a true story based in Israel and Sudan, and it was during the 1970s where um, the the prophecy about all the people of Israel coming back started to happen, like big time. And so they went looking around the world to try and find descendants of the Israeli people. And they found that the descendants of the Queen of Sheba, who had come in and married Solomon, a lot of her descendants were black, and they had gone back into Africa And now suddenly they discovered that there's a refugee camp in Sudan being held by the Muslim people with a whole bunch of these Israeli descendants in their refugee camps, African um, Jews. And so the story was that they wanted to get them out, and they didn't know how to get them out. And they decided to buy Israel undercover, CIA, decided to purchase an old abandoned diving resort on the Red Sea, on the Sudan side of the Red Sea, right? And so they purchase this thing, and so they get all these CIA agents who are going undercover into Sudan, and they go out to this, and they've been given a brochure of what this diving resort looks like, but it hasn't been used for years. Can you imagine? On the edge of a desert, even though it's right on the sea, They walk up to this place, they get off and they go, and they're looking at it, and one of them picks up the brochure and goes, how are we meant to do anything with this? You know, like, that does not look like the brochure. That's not what we signed up for, and they get in there, and they've got to make something of what they've got, basically, in order to, and they could have given up, but here was the thing, like, they were so passionate about their people and about the Word of God, which said, which prophesied that the people would come back, That they said, no, we'd even give up our lives to get them back. And so they said, no, we've got to do this. And so they got into it and they cleaned up the place, and they made it actually work. And they, what they did was they started, and they even got tourists actually turn up, and they used it as a diving resort undercover. And then in the middle of the night, they'd have these little trips where they'd get these people out of the, the, um, the camps, bring them down, put them in boats and take them out. And it was just this operation, which was just amazing. And I was thinking about that. I was thinking, you know, how often do we get so disappointed with what's in front of us, whether it be our marriage, whether it be our work situation, whether it be our career, whether it be the fact that we, we had these dreams and aspirations and all that sort of thing. And in the midst of that, we lose sight that Jesus is with us, and he has a purpose and a plan for our life, and we just got to go, you know what, we just got to do this thing. We've got to make the most of what we've got, and have him as the center. And the moment we lose sight of him in the midst of what we're doing, we get so caught up in where we are, disappointment, frustration, offense, our marriage starts to fall apart, our 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 career gets boring and it's no good anymore. It's not paying the bills. We can't buy the toys we really wanted to buy. We thought it would be like this. It's not like that. Our church isn't really functioning the way we ought to. You know what? You can be in a a church that's not functioning the way it ought to be and you can still be leading people to Christ. You can still be serving the Lord. You can still be loving on the people in the church. And, you know, God might have you somewhere. You might be just visiting tonight, but he's got you somewhere else. And I'm just telling you right now that just because you're here and maybe, I don't know, maybe you actually like being here tonight, that doesn't mean you're meant to be here. You might be meant to be where you are. I'm just saying, I don't know. But you see, if you've got Jesus as your focal point, then you go place in the right place. What you see is what you get. If you get up in the morning and you look in the mirror and you see yourself, that's what you're going to get. But if you look in the mirror and you see Jesus, that's what you're going to get. Think about that just for a moment. Reflecting the glory of God, we are transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. If we're looking in the mirror and what we see is ourself and all our faults and all the things that we're not doing right and all our marriage, we see everything going wrong. We see our kids not performing as they ought to. We see, you know, our bank balance isn't performing as it ought to. And we see all the stuff, then we're looking at the wrong stuff. Oh, we've got to deal with that. We've got to handle it. It's like walking into that diving resort and going, this is a mess. Okay, but we're here, and we've got a job to do. Let's get on with it. Yeah? And in the midst of it, it's like that song, you know, your goodness is following after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. Isn't that powerful? With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. What was the third line? I give you everything. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, running after me. It's, it's about surrender. It's about having Jesus as our focal point in life. If he really is our focal point, we'll handle him, everything that comes our way. It might not be nice all the time. We might not get all the toys we want. We might not have the best relationships all the time. It might be hard work sometimes. But if Jesus is with us, we can do all things, yeah? And when, you know, we can't control the people around us. We can't control them, That what they do. We can't control what the pastor in our church does. Or the worship leaders, or the, you know, the deacons, or the elders, or Auntie Mary, who does all sorts of things weird when we turn up and, looks at us sideways, kind sort of weird when, you know. Is there an Annie? hopefully there's not an Annie Mary here. <laughs> I didn't mean it to anybody, but I'm just saying, you know, it's like we can get so caught up in the staff that we lose sight of Jesus. And I just want to encourage you today, if, if what you see is what you get, then we've got to start seeing what God wants us to see. We've got to start looking at what God wants us to look at. We've got to look through the eyes of Christ and see with his eyes. When we go out into the world, we're completely oblivious to the ones around us who are hurting, who need him, who need some help. When we see people doing weird stuff, I get them on my bus all the time. People who are just a bit strange. I can love them or I can be annoyed by them. Seriously, i got two choices. And a lot of the drivers, they get annoyed by them. And I had someone get on my bus the other day, and I got on. I just said hello to her, and she says, oh, it's so nice to have a friendly bus driver. Like, literally, just like that. And I'm like, whoa. Like, because I don't drive on the buses with the other drivers. so I don't know what they're like out there, you know. I know what they're like in the lunchroom. But... Anyway, all right. Last thing, where are we at? Just going to finish up. Didn't bring my podium today, so I've got nothing to lean my Bible. Whew, thank you, Lord. Hebrews 11:1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. Sometimes we can't see with our natural eyes what God wants us to see. But faith believes it. When you look in the mirror, and you when I, and I don't mean the physical mirror necessarily. I mean when you look at your life, when you look at what's going on in your life, that's what I mean when I say look in the mirror. When you look at what's going on in your life and you're just having a look, right? Yeah? And you're going... I don't like what I see. I want you to put that image away for a minute. Just put it away. I don't want you to let Jesus to show you a different picture, a picture of a redeemed, restored, regenerated, glory-filled warrior of the King. And you go, "Ah, oh, that's what. That's who I am." Wow. I'm not what people say about me. Yeah? I'm not what I say under my breath even about myself. That's not true. That's not truth. God's word is the truth. And so even though we can't see it, we can see it. We can see it in our heart. We can see it in our mind's eye. Our spirit man Begins to see by faith whom we are called to be. Who God is creating us to be. We see Jesus looking back at us in the mirror and we go, Ah, that's who I'm called to be. That's my goalpost. That's where I'm going. And so when the fog descends, you can still see you can see through the fog because you're looking at Jesus. You're not looking at the fog. You hear the, the, the old saying, you know, they can't, can't see the forest for the trees. Unless you can't see Jesus for the fog. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, as in the righteousness of Christ, and all these other things will be given to you. If our focus is on Christ and his righteousness, the kingdom, all that he is and all that he represents, if our focus is on him, and all that he is, then everything else that we need in life, relationships, all that sort of thing, the stuff we're fighting for, the stuff we're trying to achieve, the stuff we're wrestling with, the stuff we're holding up to God in prayer, they'll, they'll come into alignment according to his word. And even if they don't, according to our desire, if, we're, if, if our life never looks like the brochure, we've still got Jesus. Jesus. And we celebrate anyway. And our, our, our heart, our, our spirit man, <laughs> rises up with joy and expectation. And go, you know what, God? I'm just so grateful that whatever happens to me and whatever my life looks like, and no matter how tired I'm and messed up things are, no matter what happens, I'm just going to keep my eyes fixed on you. Yeah? Amen? All right, come on. All right. I don't know if you like me. Uh, no, okay. I don't know if you're, you are like me <laughs> and you look at your life and you go, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I've missed it. Somewhere along the way, I've missed it. I just want to give you an opportunity right now, just where you are. Um, I'm not going to do a big call out the front tonight. I just want to, sometimes we just got to be real with God where we're at, right? Because if it's an emotional decision, it might not stick tomorrow. Yeah. But if it's a real, like, heart recognition, oh, yeah, ma, yep, yep, I've missed it. I've, 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 my eyes haven't been on Jesus, and I've, I've been getting, my, the goalposts have shifted. Man, what you see is what you get. Let's get him back in focus and say, okay, God, I just surrender. I'm surrendered now. I give my life to you. And let his goodness just catch up with us and surround us and fill us. Let his peace overwhelm our circumstances. Let his glory just ascend into the midst of whatever chaos, whatever circumstances, whatever might be going on in our life. Let's let his peace, his goodness just saturate us. So just right where you are, let's just, let's just make this our prayer. Father, we just surrender to you again. I recognize, God, that the goalposts may have shifted for me. And I ask, Lord God, that I'm able to refocus back on you Tonight, I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would do a work in me. Lord, I ask forgiveness for seeing myself through the eyes of the world rather than through your eyes. I ask forgiveness for looking at my circumstances through the eyes of the world rather than through your eyes. And Lord, for where I've lifted up things and put them on the pedestal, on the on the throne, where you should be. I just ask right now, Lord, that we just clean that slate and we start again. Help us to start again, I pray. Embrace a fresh start tonight. I thank you for your grace, and I thank you for your goodness. And we we're just going to pause, Lord, and allow your goodness to catch up, and envelop us, and to fill us, infuse us with your love. Give us strength, Lord, to go through whatever we got to go through in this life, with The next life in mind. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. This has been another Kingdom Community Church podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, go to www.kingdomcc.com.au.